Well, good morning, friends. Good to have you with us this morning. What a morning it's been. It looks beautiful up here in choir. What a fantastic job you did. And, and John, your video, your amazing tithe, gifting tithe, whatever video that was, you shouldn't have. You really, really shouldn't have. Uh, I've been called a lot of things, but a bald-headed hippie, that's a new one. That's a new one. It's not that I mind that so much. It's just this is new. So uh, welcome to West Bowles. If you're with us this morning for the first time or first time in a long time, we're grateful that you're here. Met a lot of visitors this morning. It's great to have you. We feel like God's doing a lot of cool things in this ministry, in this community, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So uh, if you are visiting with us, I just want to reiterate what Ryan said. We've got a form on here, just a visitor uh, information form. Would you please fill that out? I'd love to contact you this week. Just say a personal thanks. Get to know you a little bit better. And, uh, and thank you for spending time with us. So lots to do this morning. Let me pray for us as we begin. And uh, we'll dive into our new sermon series, Do You See What I See? God, we thank you for this morning and, and the opportunity to come together in this place and to see friends and to see family. What we long for the most right now, God, is to see you. So would you open our eyes, our hearts, our soul, God, to see you, our maker, creator, redeemer, father, and friend. We pray that, pray that in Jesus' name, amen. We're in a four-part series starting this morning called Do You See What I See? It's gonna culminate on Christmas Eve and uh, we're excited to look at the birth narrative of Jesus, the most miraculous moment in all of history from the perspective of those who first witnessed it. Because we think when we take an honest look at that story, we will actually see more in it than we've ever seen before. And this morning, I'm excited to start the series by tag team preaching uh, with what I call the greatest youth minister in the galaxy, uh, Nathan Harrison. And so... I'm not sure how this is going to work out. We're not sure what this is going to look like. Um, but we're hoping, you know, on the dynamic duo spectrum, you've kind of got Batman and Robin over here. We're hoping to be closer to that end than this end, which is like dumb and dumber. So we'll let you determine for yourself uh, where we land at the end. Let me start the series by talking about sports towns. There are certain towns that are sports towns, right? You've got Detroit, Chicago, Boston. And then you've got Denver. I mean, even folks here love their team. I've seen many a jersey this morning. Well, my hometown of Albuquerque, we are not a sports town. Unlike Colorado, the, the entire state of New Mexico does not have a single professional sports team. So we cheer for just about anything, like grass growing at a, at a faster pace than normal. It's like, yes! Uh, dust devils of unusual size blowing across the freeway, those get applause. But we do have a mediocre AAA baseball team called the Isotopes. And don't ask me why the Isotopes. It actually comes from a Simpsons episode, I kid you not. That's why we named our team the Isotopes. Well, one night I'm enjoying a beautiful summer evening at Isotopes Park. We take our seats, we start cheering for the home team, and wouldn't you know it, we immediately realize and come to the conclusion that we are sitting behind that guy. Now, luckily, it's not the drunk or the jerk, because sitting behind those guys isn't much fun. But this morning, we're sitting behind the obnoxious, know-it-all, non-stop-talking, play-by-play announcer. And there's the pitch. Oh, low and outside, ball three. Two-two count, line drive, snagged up by the shortstop, thrown to first for the final out of the inning. Great play, number 42. Cheers all around. Like, no, no cheers all around. And being the, the strong Christian man that I am, I totally lost my cool. Dude, there's already an announcer, and he's better than you. We don't need your commentary on every pitch. Sit back, watch the game, shut up. Not my finest moment, 
I have repented and received forgiveness thus far for that moment. Now, I didn't say it loud enough or directly to him, I should say, but I definitely said it loud enough for him to hear. Well, fast forward a few innings. We're getting ready to go home after a great game. I put up with this guy for three hours. We get ready to leave. And as we do, I kid you not, we stand up and we see this on the Megatron in the outfield. A big isotope thank you to our special guests, the New Mexico School for the Blind. I'm thinking, this is wonderful. A bunch of blind kids at the game today. This is just, what a lo- Wait a second. No, 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 no. No, there's no possible, are you trying? And sure enough, I see that guy helping up a disoriented, blind teenage girl from her seat, and then 10 or 12 others follow behind him. He was not being an obnoxious, rude jerk. He was trying to communicate to a bunch of blind kids something that they couldn't see for themselves. Church, I don't know how I got this job. I make fun of blind kids. (laughs) Maybe you should revote. Maybe now, in light of that story, talk about moron. But this story, as embarrassing as it was to live through, and maybe even more so now to retell, I think it it portrays a, a really powerful point. It makes a really powerful point. You see, you can think you know what's going on, right? And you can have no clue what's going on. You can assume that you see everything really clearly and that you have all the facts, when the fact is you don't see anything with any clarity. And that applies to a lot of situations, doesn't it? Maybe what your kids are going through, what your neighbor's going through, what you've been through. You think you can see one thing when in fact the opposite is actually true. But nowhere is that more true than I think when it pertains to the Christmas story, as it pertains to the Christmas story. We know this story, don't we? We've seen these characters. We've heard it before. It's very familiar to us. We see a baby in a manger, some animals in a barn, a star in the sky. Done. We've seen it. We know what happened. Let's move on. But I want us to spend four weeks talking about what we really should see. Because if we were just to open our eyes, man, we would see so much is going on, kind of like that. uh, And and Thomas, I'm going to stop you there, because you kind of moved into the series really quickly. But I want to talk about the baseball game for a second. (laughs) So let me just get this straight. The guy was helping a group of blind children (laughs) experience a baseball game. And you gave him a hard time. Correct. Unbelievable. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what I see? Oh, boo. Christmas jerk. All right. So, well, do you see what I see? It's a question that we are going to look at with this series, but I think it's also a question that the Gospels ask us about the Christmas story. And it's fitting that this morning we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter two. And Luke, when you think about Luke, What was he? He was a doctor. And it's fitting that he was a doctor because doctors often see what other people don't see. We see a headache and a doctor sees what the possible causes are behind it. And so this morning, as we look at Luke's account of the Christmas story, we're going to be challenged to see what Luke sees. And it's very interesting what he sees. In Luke chapter 2, we see Luke tell us about Caesar ordering a census of the Roman world. And so everybody returns to the town they're from, and Joseph takes Mary, and they end up in Bethlehem. And while they're there, Mary, as you know, she goes into labor and gives birth to a baby in a manger. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to be in verse 8. Look at what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks 
at night. Now, it would be easy to keep reading, but we have to stop there. That term shepherds, I think, is one that we don't think about very much. But think about these guys, who they were and what they did. Okay, shepherds, they were a lonely bunch. They were often unseen because they were out in the fields. But shepherds spent a lot of time alone with these sheep. And they probably smelled like the sheep. But there's one thing that I hope we see about the shepherds this morning. And that was this. Can you imagine, can you imagine going up into the mountains on a hike or on a jog and taking a lamb with you? How do you think that would go? Not very well. <laughs> bad. Yes, <laughs> bad. <laughs> I know, comedian over here. All right. Or could you imagine taking a sheep into the hyena habitat at the Denver Zoo? Or into the lion habitat? No, you wouldn't do it. And yet that's what these guys had to do. Because when you look at the wildlife that was native to that region at that time, it was hyenas, jackals, lions, flesh-eating insects. See, when we read shepherds, we don't think of that stuff. But that's what they faced every single day. They went out into a field with a bunch of lion food and said, come get it. And then they had to be able to fight them off. These guys were tough. How many of you in here have ever owned a betta fish? Those Japanese fighting fish? When you look at them, they do not look like much, do they? When you look at the word shepherd, it doesn't look like much. But you put that betta fish in water with another fish, and it, I mean, it's entertaining, but it's, <laughs> it's scary. They've got some fight in them, for sure. And that's what these shepherds were. And so look at verse 9, because something interesting happens here. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Terrified? Why? Well, I think it's because of what we see when we read the word angel. I mean, we picture this. We picture clip art, or we picture a lawn decoration, right? That's an angel. But when you look through the pages of Scripture, the reality is much different. You remember after, Adam, or after God moved Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? What did he put there at the entrance? Two angels, two cherubim with flaming swords to keep people out. Second Kings chapter 19, the Assyrian army is converging upon King Hezekiah and, and his people and Israel. And he says, your God is not going to be able to stop us. And that night, an angel of the Lord went out and slaughtered 185,000 people in one night. That's what an angel did. And you can look throughout scripture and over and over you'll see angels appearing to different men and women. And what is their first line? Do not be afraid. Because there was something about them, their appearance, their demeanor that terrified people. And so here is this beta fish, this shepherd coming face to face with a great white shark. And as Thomas is going to share with us, that great white shark is going to swim up and just give it a snuggle. A nice little snuggle and a kiss. I've heard of Sharknado, but never shark snuggle. Nice. Nicely done. You're welcome. Okay. It's true. These angelic creatures are known for bringing uh, death, right? For being uh, creatures that can destroy things, tear things apart. And yet, what's amazing about this story is they actually come to do the opposite. Instead of bring death, they come to bring life. Instead of to bring war, they bring a message of peace. Instead of tearing things apart, they come to bring it all back together. Look at Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
As Nathan said, you have great reason to be afraid right now. You know who I am and what I'm capable of, but do not fear because I bring you good news. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. I love it. Instead of scaring them, the angel came to strengthen them. Instead of frightening them, he came to fortify them. Instead of terrorizing them, the angel came to transform them. And I love the message. The message has fascinated me for years. Look at how many times the angel says, you. I bring you good news. A savior's been born to you. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. The angel's speaking directly to these guys, right? It's not a generic, uh, theoretical, abstract, peace on earth, goodwill to all. It's for you. This is for you. God has come to you. God sees you. God has a message for you. God wants to bring life to you. Don't just think the masses. Don't just think you're one of the masses. No, you are the one he's come to. He wants to talk to you. He wants to bring life to you. And that should blow our mind because I love what Nathan points out. These guys are tough guys, but these are also like those guys. Right? The shepherds aren't exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. You don't need an advanced degree to spend long hours at night with a bunch of dumb sheep in a field by yourself. Any old fool can do that. And in fact, a lot of fools in that day and age did do that. They were socially awkward. Rumor has it that when a shepherd came off of a shift, not exactly sure if they called them shifts, but when he was off of work, he would go straight to the bar. Shepherds were known as drunks. They got unruly, they were vulgar, they were offensive. The best example I can think of is, I don't know, motorcycle gang, thug, convict. My apologies to any motorcycle gang members. Jesus loves you. Um, <laughs> but right, it, it, this is a rough group of guys. And the angel says to these guys, of all guys, God sees you. He sees you. And it's not the whole like, you better watch out because God sees you. It's a God sees you. He sees where you've been. He sees what you've gone through. He sees what you're currently going through. He sees where you need to go. He sees what your hopes are for the future. He sees it all. He sees you, shepherds. Unlike anybody and everybody else that looks on you with disdain or disgust or disappointment, God looks on you with great delight. He likes what he sees. See, unlike others, God hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't turned away from you. Despite your mistakes, despite your failure, despite your reputation, your career choice, your lack of social skills, your drinking habits, your BO, name them all. Despite all those things, God sees you. And he likes what he sees. And not only does God see them, but he must think pretty highly of them. These guys receive the first birth announcement of the Lord. Hey, Becca, Becca, oh yeah, Bailey's, Bailey's about to be born, our firstborn child. Would you be sure to send the very first invitation to the Denver Rescue Mission? I want that group to know first. That's odd. Isn't it just strange? It's those guys. Those guys. God sees you. God sees them. Luckily, though, their message doesn't stop there. There's a lot more. Sorry, I just, I can't get over that it was, it was nine innings. Oh. That's all you had to be quiet for. <laughs> nine innings. He was trying to help him. Yeah, I see you. I see what you're okay. doing here. All right. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> well, Thomas is right. Their message didn't stop there. In fact, look at verse 12. Look at it again. 
it says, this will be a sign to you. In other words, you're going to have to go looking. You're going to have to go search. You're going to want to go and be watching. And you will see a sign. You will see something. And here's what it is. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. See, you've got to go look for it. Yes, I brought it to you just now, but I, now I want you to go look. And then look what happens next. As if, they didn't, as if they didn't need any more motivation to go, as if this wasn't terrifying enough. Look at verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I mean, can you imagine this? One angel was terrifying. Now it's the heavenly host. This thing just went nuclear on them, and they're just staring at it. And it's exploding, but not with destruction, but with God's glory and God's praise. And then it's almost like it's over, like this, like that. Look at what he says, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, look at their response. The shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem. After seeing that, we should probably go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. See, the message here was not just, I see you. It was also, come see me. That's what God was saying. I see you. Come see me. I will never forget one of the most terrifying days I've ever had in high school. It was my sophomore year. It was a Friday. We had just gotten done with wrestling practice. I was in the locker room, and I will never forget this guy, Travis Biffinger, all right? And it's just the perfect, big, intimidating guy name, Biffinger, all right? So I would later become friends with this guy, but he had been yelled at in practice by the coach, and he came into the locker room, and he's just seething. He's like, <sighs> and I thought he was going to hit me, but he turned and he punched the locker right next to me. So his knuckles are bleeding, and he looks over at me, and he's like, I'm telling coach you did it, because there's this big dent in the locker, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I didn't do anything, you know? And, and it did crack. Yeah, actually, that was my voice my sophomore year. That was my voice until last year, actually. Um, and so this guy, I don't think he thought another thing of it all weekend. But what do you think I thought about all weekend long? I even was scheduled to do like a devotional. The youth used to do devotionals here at the church. I was scheduled to do a devotional on Sunday. I almost canceled because I just thought, I'm overcome with fear. I cannot do this. So we get to Monday morning, and our wrestling coach was also the dean of students. And I thought, if he hears about this, I'm, I'm in so much trouble. Well, every single morning at Columbine, they have these messengers from the front office that will bring a slip into class if the front office needs to talk to anybody. So I'm in second period, Spanish class, and one of these messengers shows up in the classroom. And she's got a couple slips. And I'm watching her go along the aisles, and I'm thinking, that's not for me. That's not for me. Oh, my gosh. That's for me. And so she comes down my aisle, and I'm thinking, keep going, keep going, keep going. She sets the slip on my desk. And I turn it over, and there's just a box marked with an X that says, please come to the administrative office. So you can imagine, for the next three minutes, the most terrifying moments of my life walking down to that office. And some of you know Anna Cabrera. She worked in the office at Columbine years ago, and she's been a member here at the church for years. And so I walked in, 
And I said, I, I got this slip. And she said, oh, yeah, I, I sent that. I was like, what? And she said, I just wanted to tell you nice job on the devotional yesterday. And it's... And all that terror and all that fear was replaced with relief and joy. And so you can imagine how the shepherds felt. Here was God with a message for them that they thought was so terrifying. And this was God saying, despite what you think I, you know I'm up to, I love you. And despite what you think you know is going on, the only way you're going to know what's going on is to come see me. And it required a response from the shepherds. Check out how the story ends, Luke 2, 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The socially awkward guys that don't interact with anybody are telling everyone, and they're listening. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Nathan and I are thinking about this week. Have you ever seen something or come across something just so incredible, so amazing, you have to share it with others? Two things I was thinking about uh, a few months ago was the, the Gangnam Style video, right? Number one watched YouTube video over the last 18 months. Or maybe you saw the parents singing the Frozen song just perfectly. Like, I've got to share this. Maybe it was Jimmy Fallon. A couple times a week, this guy will come in. Have you, did you see what Jimmy did last night? Or maybe you took a selfie with the celeb in Malibu. I don't know what it is for you, but all of us have experienced that, haven't we? We've seen something, done something, been a part of something so incredible that we can't help but talk about it. We've just got to tell somebody. We've got to share it. That's the nature of good news. It has to be spread. And think about what the shepherds just saw and experienced. Yeah, those videos are pretty funny. But angelic hosts... They got to hear for a split second the, the Pandora station of heaven itself. They have been told that God sees them, that he's inviting them to come see him. And once they do, once they see it, once they see him, they can't stop talking about him. Once they heard the word, saw the word, they couldn't help spread the word. What I love is the shepherds didn't need an evangelism campaign here. They didn't need to be taught in apologetics or given a, a, a power of one, you know, neat marketing ploy to get you to share your faith. They just did it. I saw Jesus, and I gotta tell you what I saw. It was incredible. You see, that's the invitation that God always gives, isn't it? His invitation to come and see is always followed with the command to go and tell. So it's a, I see you, come see me and now go and tell others. You're gonna get sick and tired of me saying that, but that's what happens throughout scripture, isn't it? God sees you, he knows you, he wants you, he loves you. You have to start there. If you don't start there, you can't get anywhere else. And once you're there, he invites you into a relationship. He invites you to experience things. He invites you to see things you never even thought possible. And he doesn't want you to stop there. From there, you move out and you go tell everybody about it. You gotta spread the word. The message that the angels had for the shepherds is the same that he has for us. What we have seen needs to be shared. I see you, and I like what I see. And I want you to come and see me, because I think you'll like what you see. And I want you to go tell everybody about it, because they will like it too. It's a pretty powerful message. So can you imagine how crazy this scene was? 
I mean, here's God sending beings that you would expect the God of the universe to send. These angels, these really powerful angels. But you wouldn't expect him to send them to who he sent them to. I mean, angels to shepherds, who does that? Well, God does that. Because when you look through the pages of scripture, you see it over and over. There's a pattern. Here's God using this powerful moment to speak to these shepherds. And I was reminded of this powerful moment in which God used a burning bush to speak to a man, Moses, a shepherd. Or that powerful moment when Samuel showed up looking for the next king of Israel and there the candidates were lined up and he said, no, the next king's not here because the next king is a guy named David and he was out in the fields. He was a shepherd. He was tending to the flock. And so throughout scripture, you see God doing this over and over and not just with shepherds. He uses powerful moments in the lives of the disciples. But even today, I think we could think through powerful moments that we've had that maybe God has given us to get our attention in order to say, I see you, come see me, and then go share me. I think some of us, right, we struggle with God doesn't see me, God doesn't care about me, God doesn't know my situation, he's left the building, and yet like Nathan prayed before, you came, you're right here, you're as close you're so close we could touch you. That's just a powerful message. And I want this message to encourage us individually that God sees you as an individual. He invites you as an individual to come and see him. And he wants you as an individual to go and to minister and bless and serve a lot of people. But I think this also has a communal message, not just an individual message. I think the shepherd's text challenges us as a church. And here's how I think how it challenges us. The angel makes it clear that God sees, knows, cares for, invites in, and wants to use the people nobody else does. The people that society turns away from or looks down at. And so I want to know how are we as a church, as a community, how are we emulating Jesus in that realm? How well are we doing at seeing the unseen? And I want to get really specific here. I don't want to upset anybody, but I think this will help drill the point home. There are over one million abortions done every year here in America. In fact, as I was doing some research this week, by the age of 45, one in three women will have had an abortion. That's one in three in our workplace, at our schools, in our church. That's a lot of women. The question this text challenges us with, do we see those women? Do you see what I see? Well, Christians see a lot. They see shame and sin instead of the soul, right? They see guilt instead of grace. And I think this text is saying, you don't see those women, let alone care for them, know them, and invite them in. This was driven home to me a few years ago. We're doing ministry down in Albuquerque, huge state campus, UNM, and a Christian anti-abortion group comes through, 30-foot banners with pictures of aborted babies. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen, and I pray I never have to see it again. And I was sorry that women who had an abortion had to see it. Because you know what that, that banner's filled with? Disgust, disdain, and disappointment. And God says, no, no, I don't see those things when I look at you. 
And I just wonder if this story is challenging us to see people no one else is willing to see. To love and embrace and invite in others are unwilling to do those things with. God says disdain, disgrace, disappointment, that could be further from the truth. I look at you with great delight. We're called to look beyond what has happened to what can happen. We're called to look beyond what they have been or who they have been to who he is. We're called to look past the shame and to focus on the message that they have to share. We're called to focus on the life and death of his son and not their son to bring life to everyone. Do you see what I see? Don't turn away. Don't turn a blind eye and don't turn your back. See them. Know them, love them, invite them in because God sees them. God wants them to see him. And God wants to share a powerful word through them. Amen? It's a powerful text. A baby in a manger, some animals in a barn, a little star in the sky. If only it were that simple. There is so much more to see. And if you've messed things up, like I did at that baseball game, thanks for bringing that up again and again and again. Or if your voice cracks still, if you're known as little Nathan Harrison. I'm sorry, I gotta get you back to you. <laughs> this message though is for you. He sees you. He knows you, he loves you. He wants you and invites you to come and see him. And once you do, he wants you to tell everybody about it. I'm gonna invite Rebecca up to come and sing a song that I found this week that I think perfectly captures the essence of this message. Would you just sit and embrace these words, have them sung over you? Um, yeah, let's enjoy that together now.